Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Yasna Borzov. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to yet another Up Level Together podcast. I am beyond excited today to bring you a conversation with a very, very, very special person to me. Gaudam Muralidharan is a dear, dear friend and one of the most fascinating humans that I have ever met in my entire life. And I don't say that lightly. When you hear the conversations, you will understand why I had to bring him on the podcast. So we met years ago when actually Gautam hired me to work with him. And I have learned from him as much as he thinks he has learned from me. He is the founder of SoulWork which is this incredible company uh, that really eliminates the constraints of all of our gifts and talents that we have within the company. So I will let him explain what that what that is. But we talk about so many different things. We talk about this idea of a business that came to him years ago and why it took him so long to actually pursue it. And then we talk about you know, um, what he struggled with in the first months of really forming the company, what was really hard. And then his transition from uh, a very successful corporate uh, uh, career to actually running uh, his company full time. He just had to pull the plug and go into entrepreneurship full time. So I asked him, what was so hard, right? And what was what was surprising and any tips for any of us who are wanting to make that transition. And you will hear an insight after an insight after an insight that will blow you away. Because this is a man that I believe has lived very many lives. And he really is going to change, I think, the landscape of this um, skill set that we all have in today's culture. I know that one day we're going to be talking about soul work on a national and international level, and I'm just so incredibly excited. And we also talk about his climb to Mount Kilimanjaro because he did that as well, of course. And then maybe if there are some lessons um, that we could incorporate as well. And we talk about doubting ourselves and believing in ourselves. And this is, again, one of the most brilliant, in-depth, insightful conversations I have ever had. And I'm just so happy to share him with all of you. So without further ado, here's Gautam. Gautam, hello. Welcome to a Level Together podcast. Hey, Asna. Thank you so much for having me. Such oh my pleasure. goodness, you know, I think you know how excited I am. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited too. Well, go, I'm so glad you are, um, you know, I've just given a brief interview overview um, to folks, but you are one of my favorite, favorite, favorite people on planet Earth. And I know that our paths will, will cross many more times um, throughout this, this lifetime. But you and I met actually a few years ago when you hired me as a coach. And... Yeah. 
I have watched you with awe the last few years. I have just been completely um, enamored with your process, with who you are as a person and this company that you've created, Soulwork. And I want to tell people all about it, all about it. But I actually want to take them a little bit back so we can really tell them how the idea got started. Are you okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I love it. So, Gadam, tell us about, you know, the, the, when, when Idea of Soul Work, at the time it was Hero, came to you, because I, you know, when, when it was, how did it come about, why were you excited about it, and anything else we should know? No, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, and you are absolutely one of my most favorite people, so very excited to be here today. Uh, and I want to say thank you for everything that you've done for me. It's been uh, phenomenal. I mean, it's uh, been a huge help to get to where I have gotten to. So it's interesting, right? I mean, so yes, originally what we wanted to do was called Hero. And that was the reason I was obsessed with superheroes ever since I was a child. And, uh, you know, what I found most fascinating about superheroes was, was the fact that they were innately human, but they're unlimited potential, right? And I always thought of it as a metaphor for ourselves. I mean, you know, uh, my parents were superheroes. They did things that I never thought were human, the sacrifices that they made to raise me. And, you know, when I look at heroes like that every day around us, right, like law enforcement agents, firemen, et cetera, uh, the sacrifices that they make and how they go above and beyond, they do things that are not innately human. Mm-hmm. So I was always intrigued about this idea of how do you, how do you search that unlimitedness within ourselves? And particularly in the workplace, right, I mean, uh, unfortunately, many of us go into work uh, with a sense of weight and a sense of, uh, you know, like doing something that we don't want to do. And so uh, I, I was I always wondered, how do you make work joyful for people? How do you make people get up in the morning and say, I want to go to work. I want to do this. I want to I help my company get better. And so I think at the heart of that is choice, right? It is this idea that I have the capacity to shape my destiny at a workplace and I can try different things. And so out of that was born Hero, which eventually became Soul Work. Uh, you know, one, because, uh, you know, we felt like we wanted people to relate to the brand where they, they realized that they can do work that is innately tried to their beliefs and, 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 and how they find meaning in life. And so we decided to go from here to Soul Work. I love that. I remember you telling me about it. And the, the entire concept inspires me because even in the darkest moments of me not believing in myself, like there's that hero that exists that can bust through everything. And I watch my children put on a cape and all of a sudden they can do all kinds of magical things. I'm like, when do we stop believing? <laughs> oh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, that's at the heart of everything, right? I mean, if you think about uh, work, uh, maybe in a professional environment or at home or in your community, it is about believing in yourself and realizing that we're all made of the same clay and what somebody else can do, we absolutely can. And it's really a question of finding those opportunities and giving people those opportunities. So we wanted to democratize that process, right? Because uh, the only reason why you should be doing something or be selected to do something is because you innately have those talents to do it. Not because of who you are, where you're born, your accent or, or the department that you're in or where you went to school. We wanted to remove those hurdles and, and we wanted to make sure that work was democratically available to everyone. How brilliant. And I can't wait to dig into the actual parameters of soul work and how it works because it is absolutely brilliant and people are going to be blown away by it. But, but when the idea came to be, I, I mean, what was, what was the hardest thing? Because I know that it wasn't an easy journey, right? When the idea came to be, what, what did you struggle with the most in the first months and, and years? 
So I don't know if you remember this, but you gave me a book uh, of this little, it's a children's book. And it's, a, it, it's basically what you do with an idea, right? And <laughs> in essence, uh, you know, it, it captures in very beautiful illustrations and people listening to this should absolutely buy that book. It's a great book. I read it almost every week. Uh, and so it's the story of a child that tries let's, to- Let's do this. Whoever listens to this first and tags me on Instagram gets, gets book delivered to them by me. Oh, wow. It can't be me. Because I already got one. <laughs> I, I, I will send them. I will send them a copy. Okay, go ahead. That's awesome. So that's the story of this child. That uh, it's beautifully illustrated, and it it's, talks about the journey of an idea, uh, in, in a in a companionship setting with a child. Right? A child has an idea, and it's wondering what to do with this idea. And believe it or not, I went through all those stages of metamorphosis. Right? I mean, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I have two children who are uh, eight years old and, you know, I have all the responsibilities that most people have, you know, I have a house, I have a mortgage, I have payments and car payments and this and that. And so, you know, I was, I was in a nice job and, you know, you, as you work through it, it's, it's interesting. You struggle with what do you do with this idea, right? Is this, is this something that I should be working on? Should I ignore it? Should I just let it be and, and move on in my life? Is it wrong to pursue something that gets you excited? So you go through all these things, uh, conflicting questions, right? Because you're trying to figure out the whole duty versus desire thing. And eventually, you know, you just realize that, that this idea came to you for a reason. And, and uh, you know, you've said this many times to me, I am a conduit for that idea to give birth uh, to, this, to this universe. And, and so I eventually decided, well, that's my role. And so I have to bring this to the world. And, and so I quit my job and I decided to do this. Oh my God, I love that. I love it. You are also, what people don't realize that you are an incredible teacher. Um, you are so wise. And so, I mean, talking to you is like going spans of centuries of wisdom and knowledge. I just love that about you. Um, you, you know, what you're addressing is the fact that the hardest part is that personal development. And it's, you know, you didn't talk anything about logistical aspects of the business or getting enough together. You knew how to do that. It was really the, the, the doubts and the, you know, the fears. Am, am I correct in saying that? Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, when I came to you, right, I, I, I was seeking you. And it's a funny story how I met Yasna real quick is, is she was one of the people that we interviewed <laughs> when we were building Hero as a potential user. And she gave us some advice. And it was not even me talking to Yasna. It was my co-founder. And then he came and he told me, he said, I talked to this brilliant woman and, and I, it was passing thought, right? And we, we read through her feedback, which is pretty profound. And then six months later, I was like, well, I really need some help. And you're right. It was never about, you know, the what or the how or it was mostly the why, right? Why did I have to do it? And why should I be doing it now? Uh, what should I do with this, et cetera? And so it was, it, it is, it is very much tied to personal development and, 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 and looking within as opposed to, you know, worrying about logistical reasons, whether somebody should do it or not. So do you think then that, you know, what, if you're undertaking a, um, a huge venture, like you have built a full-blown company, I'm just like, me, 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 you have a full company that I know one day it's just you know, soon enough it's going to be public and I'm just going to be so in awe and so happy for you. But do you think that when we're starting a venture of that sort, that personal development is kind of a predecessor or prerequisite to getting something like that off the ground? Oh, absolutely, yes. I mean, you know, for people 
So I used to do cybersecurity, so I'm a naturally born skeptic. So I, I, I pretty much doubt everything. And so that's <laughs> why I, I did really well at what I did. But, you know, what I will tell you is through very, very careful self-reflection, I've come to conclude that, yes, I mean, I think professional development of any sort, not just entrepreneurship, is, is very, very uh, tied to, you know, having someone experienced walk you through it. Because when you're caught up in it, it's very hard. It doesn't matter how smart you are to actually look from outside in because you're, you're so enamored with whatever you're going through that, that it is very hard to use the tools that you have, right? So even if you have the tools, it is, it's important to look in your toolbox and somebody has to show you to look, at the, look in the toolbox. And that's where I think you help me the most. And I think that's where it's valuable, right? I mean, I think uh, personal development is a precursor because most of the challenges that I face as an entrepreneur are not technical challenges. Those are there, right? But the hardest ones are the ones that are personality oriented or, or, or internalized problems that you have to grapple with, not, not necessarily, you know, hey, this customer said no or that customer said yes, because those things come, happen every day. And it's just really a question of how you deal with it. Yeah. And, and often I find when we start a business or any kind of a venture, we start with passion. We start with that excitement. So we know what we're doing. If we don't, we have the willingness to figure it out. And we figure it out rather easy um, when, when, you know, when we want to. And I think that uh, from what I have noticed, most of us just really get in our own way. It's like, oh, when it comes to us, all of a sudden we become the problem. We become that, that, uh, the stopper, the showstopper. And one of the things also I've noticed with people who are representing a product, they can sell the product so much easier than when they have to sell themselves. All of a sudden there's this huge block, right? Uh, and, you know, is there, would you have a recommendation how to get out of that? How to remove uh, that block? Um, I think, you know, it's, well, I mean, this is my own experience, right? So I, I'm not a sage here. So I think, I think, you know, in my own experience, the best way to get out of your own head, for me at least, was to seek help that I trusted, right? To get some perspective. Uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have to question your own, uh, your own doubts and fears. Right? Because just like you question yourself, right? I mean, I think high achievers have a curse of, being very self-critical. So you're sitting there and you're saying, well, you know, am I gonna do this well? Am I gonna do this perfectly? Am I gonna do this? Am I gonna be Elon Musk tomorrow? But you don't question your doubts and fears ever. Right? You only question the capacity to do something. And so I think that is important. So the minute I started questioning some of my doubts and fears and they started crumbling, right? Because they were not based on anything rational. They were oftentimes stories that I would tell myself, as you would say, uh, you know, very, I have a very imaginative mind, so they were pretty exhaustive and colorful stories. So, I mean, so it took a while to untangle them, but the minute you question, uh, you know, these stories that you tell yourself that can be powerful, uh, reality changes, right? And your perception changes and you tend to do a lot more than you thought you could. So question it. I don't know that I can do that. Okay, why not, right? So question everything that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I operate from this premise, like I told you, and that's part of the reason why I started this company, right? Is, is I operate from this premise that we're all made of the same clay. And uh, whatever you believe in, right? God, the universe, whatever. I mean, it's within us. And, and when you believe that, then how can that be faulty, right? How can that be, how can that be any lesser than any other person that you admire, right? I mean, so we're all made of the same stuff. And if you believe in that, then you're suing a disservice to yourself, whatever you believe in, by not living up to that potential. 
Oh, I love that you just semi quoted Wayne Dyer who said when you when you doubt yourself, you doubt the the force that created you. Yeah, exactly. That's, oh, that's, that's yeah. the way of putting it. So. <laughs> the sage got him. I love it. <laughs> So yeah, w- w- I really want to talk briefly now about a very uh, challenging thing for majority of the people right now. We see there's a trend. We're waking up to uh, that possibility of us being our own boss, the possibility of us creating something beautiful, possibility of us being hero. And a lot of us are in full-time jobs and we're afraid to making that transition. You did that very recently and it wasn't easy. You're one of the, you were extremely successful in your company. You were an executive and it's very difficult to walk away with a job that you actually love and that remunerates you well and has all these wonderful benefits. Would you walk us through you know that tipping point for how did you make the decision to actually go all in on your business? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's First of all, I think it's what I've learned is it's okay to be scared, right? I mean, it, it's it's not normal if you're not scared. I would say there's something pathological wrong with you as a human being. <laughs> and, you know, the reason why I bored you with my family details, with everything else other than pictures, is because I wanted you to know that, you know, I'm, 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 I have all the responsibilities uh, to most people. I know that some people have very existential, uh, you know, issues, and, and I'm obviously blessed. But even given all of that, right, I would say that there are, there are, you know, there are moments where I sit there and say, I made a mistake, right? And, and there are mornings I get up and I say, oh, what did I do here? I was, I had a nice job, you know, I was taking those exotic vacations. Uh, I was living the princess with a small fee life, as Yasna would say. So <laughs> it was wonderful. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I'd arrived and, and just as I had arrived, I decided to put everything again in turmoil. So I think, uh, you know, I think a couple of things, right? Uh, I think it's about, you have to understand you're not going this alone. But I have a wonderful co-founder uh, who used to be a former colleague. He's, he's a great friend of mine. And he's very understanding, right? I mean, so when you have somebody else in there with you, and sometimes it's a spouse, sometimes it's a friend, sometimes it's a mentor, it doesn't matter whoever. But what I realized is the minute I quit, I was not by myself. I always had somebody to take care of me and uh, to help me through this journey. So that gave me some comfort in quitting. Uh, and I know, you know, I, uh, these relationships exist. Unless you're setting every bridge on fire when you leave, which I wouldn't recommend, uh, you always have a place to go back to. And, you know, it's, uh, so the thing, the tipping point for me was this book called Your 80-Year-Old Self that I picked up in some, uh, I don't even remember, it's like a farmer's market. But it's a very simple book. It's just got these pages that are posters. And it's, it's apparently this graphic artist went and interviewed a whole bunch of people in San Francisco who were 80 years old and asked them about what their regret was in life, right? And that book freaked me out when I read it because it was full of these people that basically sat there and talked about how they did not regret not making money. They did not regret not having big houses. They regretted not taking chances, right? Not following their dreams, not following their passion, right? It might have been a relationship that they let go. It might have been a business they didn't start. Right, so the question that I ask myself on the days that I'm absolutely terrified about not making any money, not having many customers, and, and building this thing that I hope goes somewhere uh, is, well, what would my 80-year-old self say to me? Right, that's one thing that I say. The other thing is, you know, my children are my heroes. You know, uh, they put you on this pedestal, and you have to constantly exceed their expectations. You cannot be imperfect, right? I mean, uh, I'm sure all the parents listening to this know the feeling, right? It doesn't matter how flawed you are. 
they think you're amazing, at least for a period of time, right, in their lives. <laughs> so, so, you know, when I, when I looked at them and when I tell them they can be whatever they wanted, and I refused to do, tell that to myself, that hypocrisy really stood out. And, you know, I just didn't want them to see that example. So more than anything else, I think uh, when I realized that, you know, when I'm telling my president, when I tell my kids, you can be a president, you can be an astronaut, you can be whatever you want. Well, their daddy doesn't want to leave and start a company. That's, that's really silly. So I, I, I did that so that, you know, more than anything else, I could earn the respect. So that's what I tell myself on the days that it gets hard. Oh, that's really powerful. Well, that's an intrinsic motivation right there, right? So it's emotional. It's, it's, uh, it's a trigger of sorts. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, because, uh, you know, in these last few months, you know, my kids uh, uh, go to third grade and they just went to third grade. And so they were at home with me uh, over the summer and we were working out of my basement. And so uh, when they see you go through the motions of building a company, it's obviously educational for them, but it also builds several other traits in them, like confidence. And, and they're very proud of it, right? I mean, I always worried that they would, they would feel bad that I'm not, you know, high-powered executive and, and they'd not be able to say this to their friends, but they were prouder to talk about how their daddy started soul work and, and you, know, uh, you know, they carry our swag around and they tell this to their friends and it's fascinating how they look at you and how inspired they feel. And it's humbling, right? I mean, so it's, it's, it's something that I'm glad I did. So people who are worried and wondering what happens when you quit, um, I don't think anything bad has happened. Not nearly as bad as I thought it would. Like, do I make as much money as I did? No, I do not. Uh, but, you know, that's just one aspect. Uh, and, and I don't want to diminish the importance of financial security to several people listening, right? I understand there are several pressing commitments. But I do think that the universe opens ways to actually lead you up. My advice would be don't burn bridges and, and, you know, explain your intent to your boss or your colleagues and be transparent and be honest with them. And odds are they'll probably wish you well and in many ways be jealous of the fact that you got to do what they couldn't do. Isn't that the case? This part, this is one of the most beautifully described ways to make the transition and what fabulous advice. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. Oh, I just love, love that. Okay, so I want to know everything about soul work. Well, I do know. So like, I'm, I'm just stalking you right now everywhere. <laughs> Tell us about soul work. Um, you have rebranded from, from here to soul work. Tell us what the premise is, um, why it's important, and anywhere that you're implementing the, the, the program in right now. Sure. Yeah, so, so I mean, soul work itself is a platform where you can ask for help or get help with anything within a company or an organization of any kind. It doesn't matter if it's a nonprofit or a large company or anything like that. So the idea stems from this fact that asking help is one of the most vulnerable moments that we can have as a human being. And what it does is it, it presents you an opportunity to connect with different people in the company through an organic way, right? Because there's somebody out there in the company that has talents and skills that are way beyond their job description that they hardly get to use, right? They probably went to school for graphic design and they're doing IT support, right? Or they're pigeonholed into financial accounting, but they want to try out marketing, right? But they hardly ever get a chance to do that. So especially in high-performing cultures, this becomes a bigger problem, right? And in most companies, there is a lot of work to be done, but not enough resources to actually get this work done, right? So what our platform does is it does that matchmaking, right? So it basically takes the work that you need to get done and tries to find that extra capacity within your own company without you, know, you having to rely on external contractors or consulting and et cetera, or opening a new headcount, right? So if you think about the consequences, they're pretty powerful. One, now you're tapping into productivity all over the place, but more importantly, 
you're forming these connections and giving people to try different things. And in that journey, they probably will find something that gives them meaning, right? So I might find something in marketing that's probably my calling and, and gives me the courage to do the transition we just talked about and, 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 and move into marketing or go start a degree in marketing. But to do that, I first need to get a taste of it, right? If my only option is to talk to my supervisor and move jobs, I'm never going to do it. So that's, that's in essence what soul work is. Uh, we have a couple of customers. We're about four months old. So, uh, you know, we're, we're taking baby steps. So we have a couple of customers. We just went live with this organization called uh, uh, Greater MSP. So they're an organization was in Minneapolis. And, and the program that is using soul work is called Make It MSP. And so this idea is that, you know, when people come to Minneapolis, uh, good people come to Minneapolis. Yes. And, 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 and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to acclimatize, help people acclimatize to the community better. So they come on the platform and they say, hey, uh, can you help me find a good public school? What's a good public school system to go? What's a good restaurant, right? Or, or is this neighbor for sale or is, uh, anything like that? And, and people who are more seasoned Minneapolis uh, citizens jump in and, and help out. So that's what they're using it for. So that went live uh, a couple of weeks back. Then we have a consulting company that's using it because they want to build this culture where they want to give their employees the option to try different things in addition to just what they already do. And obviously tap into extra potential as well, right? Uh, this concept is not new. Uh, you know, 3M does this, and I'm sure several people uh, who are familiar with this are nodding their heads because 3M has this famous 15% policy that they instituted in 1946, believe it or not, and they still have support for it from the management level, which basically, and, and some of the most brilliant ideas have come out of it, including your post-it notes. So this idea that 15% of their uh, of an employee's time is is basically free time where they can go and they can work with other departments in 3M and come up with ideas. So Google follows the same thing. So they call it the 20% rule. Uh, but it's 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 innate to us as a human being, right? So when you give choice, when you give more autonomy to your employees, amazing things happen. They don't slack off. They don't go on Facebook. They actually want to help, right? I mean, how do you make these connections is what we are trying to work. That's incredible. Well, people get really excited, I suspect, because they're, they're, they get to, if I'm stuck in an accounting and I really want to do graphic design, but I've been there for 15 years and I don't see a way out, it's a really fun way to dabble. And one of the things I found uh, when I'm busy and I say I don't have the time, if I'm working on something that's so exhilarating, it actually gives me more energy. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, because if you think about it, uh, you know, this joke about this Google 20% policy that it's actually 120% rule because <laughs> people work 100% and then they give 20% more because, you know, it's, it's, it gives you energy, right? I mean, it's, you dread going into a job that you don't like because you're forced to do it, right? It might have been something that you, that you chose to do. It's not wrong, but it's just that over a period of time when the choice gets taken away from you, you feel like confined and, and nauseated, right? But when you're given even a little bit of freedom and choice, you start doing not just those things well, you start doing your own things well better. I mean, it just gives you a sense of autonomy. And this is human beings are. And confidence. Yeah. Is so, much. So, so how does it work within the company? Is it confidential? Um, can anyone, you know, sign up for a project that's been announced? Uh, you know, what if my boss is not happy if I'm jumping into another department? How do you figure out those things? Well, that's a great question, right? So I think, I think you know, at a very... So, so it can be anything pedantic, right? It could be as pedantic as saying a VP saying format my PowerPoint, right? And then in turn, jumping in and building a relationship with that VP, right? Or it could be something more strategic, right? I'm running a cross-departmental marketing campaign, right? And I, and I need subject matter input from different parts of the company. 
And uh, or it could be something more, you know, driven towards the company culture, like giving back to the community, right? So it could be raising money for cancer awareness or something like that. And you want you want like-minded people from across the company joining together. So it could be any of those things. I mean, it doesn't have to be a large project. It doesn't have to be something really small. It could be anywhere in between. Uh, so yes, about about you know your manager saying. I mean, it, it, the idea is that you know we would need top-down support, which is the best thing. I mean, you know, we need leaders who are interested in building a culture of this sort, right? Because uh, we're not a bottoms-up adoption kind of company. So, so we, we want this to be fully transparent. That's one of our core principles. So we want leaders and we want to work with companies that have cultures like that, right? Or have desires to build cultures like that. Uh, you know, honestly, we're not, we're not for everybody. And I completely understand when a company says, nope, we, we like our silos, we like operating in our silos, and that's just how we are. And, and you know, it, it's fine, right? It is for companies that want to reach across the aisle. It is the companies that want to, like, build an organizational culture that is very interweaved because it's all for one and one for all, right? I mean, and, and those are the kinds of companies that like it the most. So in those companies, a manager should not be saying things like, hey, you know, uh, you need my permission to do anything. That's uh, that's ridiculous. Nobody should be giving anybody any permission to do anything because we're all adults, right? We should know what we're doing. Uh, but you know, there are there are reasons I can understand why people might want to enforce those controls, and we have place to do it, right? Let's say that somebody has a performance problem, and then or they are chronically distracted. Then there are there are ways for a manager to control that for a period of time, and and the platform will not route any work to that person. But it's fully transparent, right? It is the person who's being blocked will know that and the manager will know that as well because we, we don't want to be uh, in any kind of policing business. We want the manager and their staff to have a frank discussion about it. So yes, I mean, there are controls in place to prevent those, you know, those obvious situations where distraction is a problem. Oh, I love that. So you gave me a little bit of insight. You're so right. First of all, the companies that actually would want to implement something like this are the companies that are in the long term are going to be successful because they understand that when people stay and they're committed to being there, the productivity goes up, life satisfaction goes up, you know, they don't call in sick as often. It's like you're really getting at the core of this pr- problem of, of hating our jobs in America. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's the future, right? I mean, you already see this. You and I are examples of that, right? We're solo entrepreneurs. I mean, we, we, we're doing what we're doing by ourselves. And and the workforce itself is going to make the shift, and it already is, from full-time to part-time to fractional labor, right? People working across different companies. And companies that do not embrace that will be left behind. That's, that's just, sole work or not, that's the reality of the future labor force, right? Because people crave more flexibility, but they want to be families, rightly so, because their priorities are, are more focused on things like that. If that is indeed the case, then, then you know, I mean, how, does, how do companies promote that that, that kind of culture becomes a question, right? I mean, so when you give choice, when you give autonomy to your people, they tend to stick around, right? When you don't, they're just going to find a place that gives them that same choices, right? I mean, because that's just how we are. It's so true. I mean, at the core, we all want, we, I think I've always wanted the freedom of self-expression. Mm-hmm. That's and, exactly it. Right? Yeah, because we're more than, we're more than our job titles. We're more than LinkedIn. We're more than titles. And we're more than, you know, the degrees that we stacked up in the colleges that we went to, right? I mean, and so, you know, I don't know what I'm good at until the opportunity presents itself, right? I mean, I might be interested in creative writing, right? But, you know, why would creative writing ever come up in the context of cybersecurity, which is what I went to school for, right? And so everybody thinks that when they talk to me, they have to talk to me only about cybersecurity. But I'm a father. I'm a member of a community. I read a lot of books and, and, and I went to art school. 
but all of this stuff is left behind in a in larger company because you're you're looking monolithically at their resume right at their job description and saying well you're accounting so you know how to add right as opposed to knowing that well yasna might be passionate about childhood cancer right yeah. or, or it's very hard to humanize our colleagues if you just look at them as job descriptions oh i love this soul work, soul work really humanizes us it gives us it gives us um it lets us show every aspect of ourselves which is oh, freedom well exactly right and that's the unlimitedness piece which is basically this idea that we can be what we want to be right i mean and and it might be marketing it might be accounting it might be finance it can be anything right and companies have enough opportunity and enough work to go around and unfortunately what lands up happening is even even the even the people that have the right intentions right we tend to reaffirm our biases we tend to look at people like us that think like us that are like us that went to similar schools and we give them those opportunities and then 5 years from now we sit and wonder why the leadership team looks exactly like us right what happened and then we hire expensive consultants to figure out the diversity issue the diversity problem is because we tend to project our own biases on people right how do you remove that cognitive bias is when you work with different people right that's when many of your perceptions shatter and that's what we want to do Oh I just I just you know I get so excited at this idea and the thought of this idea. So you touched briefly on what kind of companies are right for for soul work. But who are you really looking for? I mean is this like for for companies that are the size of 3M or you're looking for someone a little bit smaller or is it just more, mostly what is their philosophy and whether they are on board with with your philosophy? Nothing. I think, I think uh, you know it's a good question. So size doesn't really seem to matter in our case because you know one of our customers is 50 people long and you know we're talking to companies that are fortune 140 500 companies but you know it's more a culture fit right it's about being willing to let people do this mm-hmm. and, and you know change the way they communicate right moving from a fractional communication culture where you just blast off emails to email distribution lists and say help me with this help me with that and hope and pray that something or someone comes back with something useful instead of if you want a more to a more efficient model where you're actually getting work done and you're willing to look outside of of your own team outside of your own organization that's that's the best fit i would say i mean a team where the management team the leadership team is invested in something like that managers and investor in a culture like that would be the best way uh if it's a very small company like 10 person company it's hard because you know i mean you you tend to know everybody and what they're good at and it's harder to uh, experiment with a product like this but i would say anywhere 40 to 50 percent company starts getting interesting especially if you're geographically distributed okay so i'm curious what is the cuz i know you have one what is the big vision with soul work oh the big vision of soul work is is you know to to imagine a future where people can get up in the morning and they actually enjoy going to the going to work right it doesn't matter who they are what they're doing right because they know that you know work is distributed purely based on talent and not anything else right because if i want to do something and if i have the drive and if i have the right talents then i have a way to get access to that work i don't i don't have to know anyone i don't have to go to you know fancy smooching parties and i don't have to go to this school and that school it is about having passion and we just we just are in the business of trying to link passion to work right and when that happens we believe magic happens and that's that's the big vision for soul work 
This is really great because my thought is this can really, I think, um, in, in a culture where, you know, in, in a lot of companies, leadership, com- uh, leadership positions are, you know, saved from men, a lot of mostly men. This can really, really allow women who maybe might be even on maternity leave, but they're bored and would like to participate in, in some way. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you know, just a quick personal story. Even I was uh, serving a client, a Fortune Hunter company here in Minneapolis, uh, this is very quiet, uh, you know, woman on our team. And, and uh, you know, she was on our extended team and she would never talk, right? She was part of the UAT team. She would test and she would never say a word. And we had a fire drill. Uh, it was related to a coding issue. And the person that was actually responsible for it was out on vacation. So we're all scrambling to figure this out because it's a lot of visibility. And it turns out she was teaching herself programming on nights and weekends. And she never opened her mouth because she was very subconscious about her accent, right? And it was, remar- I mean, she saved the day. Is the, is, the, is the bottom line. But, you know, I imagine how many, how many Marias are silenced, right? Because they're subconscious, right? I mean, uh, and I am as an immigrant, right? I mean, the first two years, I hardly said a word because I was really worried about when people would ask me to repeat myself. I just felt so subconscious that I felt like I was doing something wrong, right? <laughs> so, and, you know, I don't, I don't have it that bad, I would say, you know. Uh, and so, you know, absolutely, that's part of, the, that's one of the biggest things that we want to change is it shouldn't matter who you are, right? And all that should matter is you have innate passion and you have a work ethic to get it through. And if you do that, then yes, your leadership teams will automatically become diverse because these people get the right opportunities and the right visibility and build the right connections to move forward. And like I said, I don't think people are walking around saying, I want to be prejudiced against you know, uh, people of color or, or, or people of a particular gender. It's a subconscious bias, right? I mean, we, we just, we just, it's easier to turn to Bob because Bob is right there. Right. And we forget so about somewhere else. But it's so, so true. Very often people tell, I've had people tell me that they wanted to work with me, but uh, they never contacted me because they didn't know how to pronounce my name. <laughs> oh, I have that all the time. You know, it's funny, even now when Cole and I go to meetings, Cole's my co-founder, they end up saying his name because they're nervous about mispronouncing my name. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that, right, that happens. Like we're, that's the bias. We're just nervous about offending people and then we don't even, we don't give them a chance. Well, exactly. And, and, and that's the thing, right? At the end of the day, I mean, it's, think about how many brilliant artists, brilliant graphic designers, brilliant marketing people, brilliant programmers in your company are just left behind because, well, they don't know the right people, right? And, and, it's a tragedy in the making because 20 years from now, we're building another kind of monolithic leadership culture for our children who are then sitting there and saying, well, what did our parents do, right? They just created more people that look like them. It doesn't matter if, if it, it's, it's beyond, you know, I think skin color or language barriers, et cetera. I think it's even personality types, right? Take introverts, for example. But if you're an introvert, you almost always get punished, right? Because, well, you might be intelligent, but you, you don't speak often. So I don't know what you're good at. So I'm just going to shun you. Right? It's just easier because you're socially awkward. Yeah. And, and, and it's just unfair because, you know, at the end of the day, opportunity should be available to everyone. Oh, I love this. And I love you for creating it. And I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of this. I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant because every single one of us, I don't care who we are, we have been at some point looked over for whatever quirk, the, the, whether it's skin color or gender or personality type or where we live, I don't know, whether we're new, age, anything. And you're so right because this is, it's, it, it just changes an entire approach to who we work with. 
No, exactly. I mean, you know, and that's what I mean by saying, you know, I think we're at the cusp of some remarkable cultural change, right? Because at this point, you know, people are, uh, people are wanting to do the right thing. I think it's, it's a culmination of a lot of factors. Yeah. We just want to give them some tools, right? I'm, I'm part of a large generation of people that are working to give better tools. And this is a tool to do the right thing, right? And, and that's what we want to use this for, right? I mean, so that people can say, I want to work with someone else, right? I want to, I want to meet someone else. It might not be something incredibly earth-shattering, right? You may, not, you may not conquer the world with soul work, uh, you know, but at the same time, you may get to meet the person with whom you're going to conquer the world. Right. So, so give it a chance. And, and, and that's what we're hoping for. Well, how well said. I love that. <laughs> so one, I, I just, I, I love, 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 love that. So got him. One of the things that people have no idea about you, which I find fascinating is that you, during your personal development journey, before you just went all in for it, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Just the thought of it makes me nervous. Just the, because right now I have a friend who is who is um, who committed to climbing, and she's telling me all the details. Of course, women. She's like, I have to dig up a hole to go to the bathroom. Like you didn't tell me that part, and she's telling me all these things. And that's that has to be that's the second largest mountain in the world, by far one of the, some of the most grueling. It is one of the most grueling things that you can do in your life. Why did you decide to do it? And I'm really curious because when you go through something that intense and then challenging, there has to be lessons that come through for life and business. And I was wondering if you could share them with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, just some background on how I came about the whole idea. And Yasna knows this, is, is that, you know, I was just sitting and I was watching PBS and uh, there's this documentary about, uh, you know, the Masawi tribe in, in, in Kenya. And in Tanzania, and they were showing Kilimanjaro in the background, and they were talking about this guy that climbed. And I was like, "Huh, I should probably do it." And so I, and it was on January 16th, and it was well timed because our anniversary is on the 20th. And my poor, unsuspecting wife turns to me and says, "Well, you, you never asked me for anything. What do you want for your anniversary?" I was like, "Ha, huh, funny you should ask. I'm going. I really want to climb this mountain." And she thought it was a joke, right? So she laughed it off. Uh, and a few days later. I was really serious about it. And so she's like, all right. I mean, you, I had never camped in my life. I, I had no experience outdoor experience <laughs> at all. I mean, the, the most, uh, you know, physically exerting thing that I've ever done was run a marathon. So, <laughs> so she was terrified of what I was going to do. But then I, um, you know, because the climb was scheduled for the 20th of Feb. So I had uh, less than 30 days to get in shape. So, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because, you know, it just goes to the original point of, questioning your fears, right? I mean, I was scared, but, you know, I, I was trying to use some of the tools that Yasna had given me. I was like, well, why not? Why not go climb the mountain, right? I mean, what, what is, why should I be scared? I didn't tell you to climb Kilimanjaro. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but that's what happens. <laughs> so, anyway. I seriously work with the most amazing humans on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in retrospect, amazing. But, I mean, <laughs> so... Anyway, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was uh, you know, I, I showed up in Tanzania and, you know, I was blessed. So that's what I meant by saying, you know, I could have landed up with a horrible guide. I could have landed up with a horrible climbing company and I could have landed up with horrible climbers, right? But all of that was not true. The universe made way and it was meant to happen because I met, I met with this guy that was one of the most prolific climbers that had, has scaled all kinds of peaks, especially 8,000 meter plus peaks. And he was humble. He was kind. He was a great teacher. 
and he held my hand every step of the way as we climbed the mountain. As, I mean, you know, there was a moment when I did not know how to tie my mountain boot. And that was the most embarrassing moment because here was like a two-year-old schoolboy and, and didn't know how to tie my shoelace and he tied my shoelace for me. So more than anything else, you know, I walked away from the experience learning how humble these incredible people are, right? I mean, this guy is like a hotshot climber. He could have sat there and said, well, you're such a moron. You don't know how to tie your shoelaces. But he sat there patiently teaching me how the different kinds of knots you should use as you climb these mountains. Uh, they're generous, kind people. Then I met the people of Tanzania who are wonderful people. Who, uh, and, and it opens up your perspective, right? People are people. It doesn't matter where they live. They have the same joys, sorrows, challenges as us. And it opens your perspective, right? I mean, uh, it, 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 more than anything else, I would say if I had to pick one word to describe my experience is humbling. Uh, nature itself is humbling because, you know, uh, I was there because the mountain let me be there. Uh, there are a million things that could have gone wrong. And, you know, the, the reason I was there was not because I was some prolific climber. It was just because, or I had some innate talent. It was because the mountain let me be there. And, you know, I'm very blessed that I had that opportunity to get to the top. And, you know, I would highly recommend it to anyone. It's not a technical climb and it's, it's definitely something fun that you can do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would say, you know, you walk away with a sense of humility about how big the world is and how big people are and how small you can be if you live in your own bubble, right? And so going out there gave me the confidence that, you know, sometimes you leap and, and you know, the, the universe will catch you. And it, it caught me, right? And that gave me the confidence to then come back and quit because, well, I left again and I'm sure the universe will catch me in its own way. I don't know how, but I'm sure I'll be fine. Oh my goodness. How, how beautiful, how beautiful leap and the universe will catch you. And that's the greatest lesson for everyone who's listening right now, who has an idea, anyone who's struggling. So many people want to do what you have done. So many people have an idea and they want to make that, make that jump. And they want, and they're wondering, where's my confidence? And I'm hearing you say through the story, your, your advice is just leap. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, again, right. I don't want to trivialize people's situations. I have a tremendously supportive spouse. My co-founder is an amazing person and I have great kids and you know, it's, 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 it's leap, but you know, like I said, I, I don't want to trivialize your own constraints, but do not be afraid to leap. I mean, odds are you're over imagining the consequences, the bad ones, and you're underestimating your own potential, right? I mean, you'll probably be just fine you'll probably learn a lot about yourself and what's the worst that can happen, right? I mean, you tried and it didn't work and you went back to your old job, but you'll be proud for doing that. Oh, I absolutely love that. Love that. You are wise beyond words. <laughs> okay. I have my moments. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I have um, some really quick questions. So whatever first thing that comes to mind um, is the answer. Are you ready? Okay. Best book you've ever read. I'd say the Gita, which is a text from India. It's an ancient text. Mm-hmm. Bhagavad Gita. Yes, for everyone there, check, check it out. One of the, Some of the greatest life lessons are, are contained in that book. Um, life is, finish the sentence. Life is meant to feel alive. Love. Having faith means? Walking without sight. Walking? Without sight. Without sight. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> My current struggle is walking without sight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just love it. Best advice I was ever given is to look within for answers. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? 
It just, it just absolutely is. So Gautam, I can't, I cannot thank you enough for making the time. I know you are extremely busy. I know you're building this huge, huge, huge company that all of us are going to speak about and know about one day. So I'm excited. I appreciate you. I genuinely cherish you and respect you so darn much. It's, it's kind of insane. Like you're one of those people that I know is going places. So thank you for making the time. No, oh, thank you so much for having me and all the kind words. I mean, she exaggerates how good I am, but, <laughs> but, but no, I don't. You're so humbled. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for, for, for having me and listening to me. I mean, uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions if, if you have any follow-up. Uh, of course. Well, where can people find you? Because there will be some people that will want to interact with you. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you, find you? So um, where can they learn about soul work? Anything that you would like to share with us? So the best way to get in touch with me would probably be my email address, which is uh, my first name, G-A-U-T-A-M, Gautam, at dosoulwork.com. And our company site is dosoulwork.com do soulwork.com and we will share this here and here and here and here and everywhere that this podcast and video goes thank you so 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 much and you just know that you inspire not only me but hundreds and thousands of, of people out there who are who are doing the work doing thank the soul so, work thank you so much and best thank of luck to everyone thank you bye well, there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together.